0: We're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15 for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. Welcome back to Still Watching Mayor M A R E of East Town. I'm Vanity Fair Senior Writer Joanna Robinson.
1: And I'm Vanity Fair Chief Critic Richard Lawson.
0: Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time on Still Watching, what Richard and I like to do is pick a show that we're watching, go after it week by week, break it down obsessively. Sometimes we talk to people who work on the show. Sometimes we don't. Uh, right now we are juggling two projects. We are wrapping up Falcon and the Winter Soldier and we are launching Mayor of Easttown. This is our second episode covering the second episode of Mayor of Easttown titled Fathers. So if you haven't watched that episode yet, you're going to want to go ahead and do that and come back and listen to us talk about it. We have a bunch of emails. We got it ton of accent emails from you all i also got a bunch of tweets and a friend of mine texted me about it so a lot of people want to talk about the accents on this show you can always email us stillwatchingpod at gmail.com richard i'm about to go rogue and suggest we introduce uh, a, a listener challenge are you ready
1: oh please yeah
0: um i i had suggested to richard that we do like a <laughs> a, a philly uh or pennsylvania sort of like word of the week and that's when I completely blanked and forgot that Richard's from Boston and thought he was from Pennsylvania because we have a bunch of Pennsylvania writers on our staff. And he was like, I guess I could look some up, Joanna. What are you asking me to do?
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've stayed at, night at at Bryn Mawr when my friend was uh, studying oh, there, you know. So. Bryn
0: Mawr. Um, so I actually, given how many of our listeners appear to have like firsthand experience in Pennsylvania, I would love for you to email us, watchingpod at gmail.com. I want us to like immerse ourselves in this like Philly culture and learn learn more and more about it. So uh, if you want to send us like a word or some, you know, someone sent us some advice about cheesesteaks versus um wawa versus whatever so like we're going to be learning about all all sorts of stuff and i think that might be a a, a fun ongoing thing to do so still watching pot at gmail.com we're going to get into those emails before we get into our discussion of the episode itself richard what emails do you have for us this week
1: uh well we have one about our explicit mention of wawa last week which okay. um people seem to appreciate that we knew what that was but you know i've lived in the northeast united states for my whole life i should hope i know what Wawa was <laughs> i have multiple friends who have lived in philadelphia anyway uh cliff uh writes to us and says it was great to hear your shout out to wawa subs they really are tremendous and if you're ever in the philadelphia slash central new jersey area try them don't miss out there are also a couple in the mid-atlantic and a couple in gainesville orlando central florida the only bad culinary consequence of our move to New Orleans was the lack of Wawas. For the decade I lived in uh, New Orleans, uh, Wawa subs were a highlight of my visits back to see my family in New Jersey. I also used to sneak a couple home in my carry-on for my daughters and wife. Besides how good they taste, a significant fraction of part of the experience is the touchscreen ordering. You can take all the time you want to build your sub, and since you don't have to speak to, uh the order to the sandwich maker you're spared any potential embarrassment, like if you like mayo and ketchup on your ham and salami sub or whatever um that is a remarkable invention uh, i i and I mean I use the touchscreen soda machines at the movie theater, and I love that because they don't the i don't have to tell the cashier the shameful drink I want, which is a mix of ginger <laughs> ale that sort of amounts to a diet truly temple that a you know someone in their late 30s maybe (laughs) it's a little embarrassing to order um
0: and we saw uh, evan peters in this episode get some wawa coffee did we not
1: that's yeah that's right um but i think i think the reason i wanted to read this was you know yes wawa is such a, a a cultural icon of uh the pennsylvania and central jersey or south jersey uh landscape um but also like it does kind of explain why we've seen mayor eat like four sandwiches in just two episodes. <laughs> I don't know that they're supposed to be from Wawa because I think they're more like cheese steaks than subs, but like there is a sandwich culture that stretches all the way to Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania because there they put French fries on their sandwiches, Permanti brothers and whatnot. Um, so yes, I, I think the sandwich lore of Pennsylvania is hovering over this show quite appropriately.
0: I'm Claire Fallon. I I might just, like, segment this whole show up. Which sandwich would you rather uh, in this episode? The midnight uh, cheesesteak that Mm -hmm. Gene Smart purchased uh, or the the car hoagie? I think there was a – no, no, no. It was a kitchen hoagie. Hoagie or or midnight cheesesteak?
1: Midnight cheesesteak. Although I'm doing, like, intermittent fasting, so I'm only supposed to eat between 1 p.m. and 9 p.m., so midnight might be a stretch. But for that, for a real Philly cheesesteak, I would make an exception. (laughs)
0: What about eight forty five p m yeah, <laughs> um Tuesdayday great yeah. great great um all right um that's fair enough i I think I also would take any any sandwich that Gene Smart offered me um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's another that's yeah that's a good reasoning yeah um but overall i i of all the things we've seen Mayor shove into her face un, ungracefully, I think the breakfast sandwich from episode one is the one that looked like I love mm-hmm. an egg sandwich so um oh yeah i'm gonna keep an eye out for those sandwiches thanks so much what what other emails do we have
1: um so then we had another email uh that was also kind of about the uh you know sort of a sociology of the pennsylvania where this show is set um but a little bit more in depth than um just matters of sandwiches um so marine writes to us uh and says i happen to be from western pennsylvania growing up um but have also spent time in both central and eastern Pennsylvania. And that accent is pretty close. Okay, so Maureen is one of the people who likes the accent. We got more likes than dislikes, but there were a couple people who were like, I just couldn't not hear Kate Winslet. Anyway, uh, Maureen goes on to say, I also had lived in a small declining Pennsylvania steel town that won the state basketball title two years in a row and the depiction, uh, as seen on the show, seems on the mark. My experience was within five years of championship, uh, but if either of the superstar players on the team walked into a public gathering, you would have thought the president had entered the room. Totally surreal as an outsider to witness people pointing out that they were present. Uh, and I'm sure to this, to this day, uh, neither uh, ever pay for their own drinks.
0: So, yeah, uh, small small town fame. Or- yeah 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 yeah.
1: um she maureen goes on to say that the multi-generational habitation with the ex's family next door seems very real world um and she says uh i have moved around a lot and as an outsider new to a smaller and declining community when they greet you with asking why would you move here it tells you a great deal which is something you know we see in the first episode when um mayor meets the the visiting professor
0: right right yeah all right uh anything else email wise
1: um no i think that was it you know keep the the philly pennsylvania arcana coming we, <laughs> yes. we want to hear all about it um and who knows what awaits us i mean is Kate like going to say yins at some point has she said it yet i don't think so
0: i haven't but, heard it yet or yeah. or john but uh anyway uh yeah email us we we want to know um all right so let us get into this episode. First, I'm going to start with the title of this episode. It's called Fathers, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if you had any um I mean there's some obvious reasons why, but if you had any thoughts about why um it's titled that.
1: Well, I think because I mean, it's sort of saying like here here is a our first subset of, su- of suspects. Mm-hmm. And it's it's two fathers prominently in terms of Aaron's Father, who is sort of suspected, you know mayor has to ask him that awkward question of like, were you home all night mm-hmm. and then you have the father, Dylan, the father of Aaron's baby, which who actually may not be the father, and then you have the twist at the end where maybe the real father, who's mayor's ex husband and is also a father obviously to mayor's uh two children uh could be involved, so I think it's basically just tracing this. Paternal, you know, line of suspicion ac- through the town, um, which is kind of a grim thing to spend time in. I guess you know, but uh, in, in terms of its view of like men and families, I guess. But uh, but I think everyone presented here has a sort of credible enough motive.
0: I think that um, one other thing that we should consider is um, the deacon... Would you call a deacon a father? I don't know. We meet... We a meet, deacon
1: is a lay person, I think, in a church. But both of these people are priests, right? Or is that... He's listed I'm, as a deacon, at I least on Wikipedia. I might be wrong. Then. I thought deacons Fa- were, were not... So
0: Father hidden. Dan is uh, Mayor's cousin, who we met in episode yes. one. And we see... Fa- so he's a father. So Father Dan in the church, but then Mark... Who give, is the one who gives a sermon is listed at least on Wikipedia as a deacon. Okay. So, okay. um, but anyway, I, you know, uh, clergy, clergy who, uh, ran a program that Aaron was part of. I'm always going to keep my eye, yeah. both eyes <laughs> open. Um, and I think it's interesting when, when Mayor finds out, um, who the victim is, that it's Aaron, uh, and she knows she needs to go talk to Aaron's father, Kenny, she rounds up two men to go with her john and billy ross john uh ross is married to um you know mayor's best friend Lori. um and then billy appears to be john's like younger brother maybe right so these two men who know kenny um and uh, you know john at least is a father we don't know about billy but like i don't know it just felt like she rounded up like <laughs> a posse of fathers to go with her to break the news to kenny um <clears throat> that his daughter was dead and Kenny didn't make, like, a tremendous impression on us in the first episode as, as a father. Um, but uh, what, do you, what do you make of his reaction here on a scale of, like, one to Sean Penn?
1: Um, Is that my daughter in there? Yeah. See, there's the Boston, Joanna. No, um, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, I think what I appreciated about that initial scene where they go to the house... Mm-hmm. Was both it's kind of like illustration of community where, you know, yes, formally it is the police's responsibility, I suppose, to go and tell the, you know, the person, someone that their loved one has been killed. But the town or this, at least this kind of subset of the town is close knit enough that it, it doesn't feel weird to like kind of marshal two civilians to come with you as right. a police officer to do that. I think there's also something about like gender in there, about like Mayor thinking that like he would react differently if there were two men there. Maybe he'd be more willing to sort of process it, or maybe she felt maybe a little protected because what if he turned his anger at the news on her? We've seen him be a little bit threatening to his daughter in the first episode. And then obviously everything he does later in this episode. So I thought that was interesting. I also appreciated that we saw him be a bad dad to Aaron in episode one. And he was a bad dad, but that doesn't preclude grief you know uh and it doesn't you know i, I well i hesitant to say it doesn't mean he doesn't love her because if you love if he loved her, why would he treat her so badly but there is at least some genuine care and affection there, or there was you know, and I think that the show not just making him an outright monster and also not making him an outright you know pitiable bereaved father i think places the show in a more realistic emotional terrain
0: yeah um i think that I, I think what's so interesting about that flow of familiarity right like it's compromising throughout we see that throughout this episode um we meet evan peter's character uh called zabel and um you know he is sort of constantly slightly alarmed by the familiarity right um that he's seeing around him um but i like that it sort of flows both both ways because later in the episode when mayor is questioning brianna brianna throws this awful thing at mayor like no wonder your son killed himself right it's a terrible thing that she says but like it's not just that mayor knows these people so well they know her so well as well do you know everyone knows each other's family stories um I just I think that's just such an interesting, complicated dynamic to introduce, and once again, it reminds me a lot of like some of these British crime dramas, like Broadchurch, where like every single person knows each other in this small town. So, um, let us let's 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 go to Evan Peters, Detective Colin Zabel. He of the uh, I will get you coffee in the morning. Uh, Evan Peters giving us like a little uh, a very different look than he gave us in Wandavision, very clean cut. A uh, nice coat, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, as I mentioned last week. Uh, what do you think of of Evan in this role?
1: I think it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be curious to see... Like, this episode is putting even more things up into the tapestry of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might maybe suggest... We'll talk about it later. Like, maybe too many things in some cases. But um, I'm curious to see how he will fit into things. Because they're not making him... The snide bigger city cop, or more you know whatever he's you know wherever he's coming from, mm-hmm. who's looking down on her and sort of like trying to take charge, he's pretty you know he he's pretty cool with a secondary position it feels like you know and is just trying to learn and help, and then that feels genuine right now, um maybe it will prove not to be um but still that mayor reacts the way she does. I think does say a lot to kind of what one of our emails were saying about these like depressed towns these rust belt towns if you want to call them that um and that feeling of like wounded pride especially mayor who is the, the the a source of so much local pride um being like well ha- now someone has to come in here and like help me do my job that I've been doing longer than him like there mm-hmm. like the indignity of it that um Evan Peters' character is like cognizant of, but it's kind of like, well, I'm here, so I kind of have to help. I, 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 again, I think kind of similar to the way that um, the father reacted. Like, I I just think that there's nuance there that is appreciated, and that like other shows would just have him be this complete asshole.
0: Yeah, it's just a really different character. And I mentioned last week that I felt like the two characters were sort of gender swapped from what a dynamic that we often see, like a young. You know, newish female detective, bright eyed, bushy tail and the like, you know, seen it all sort of jaded older detective. Um, And I and I I really just I'm going to stick by that. Um And I think Evan Peters is kind of playing that like one one small moment that I didn't notice until rewatch. Like he he seems in awe of her uh to a certain degree. Um, like, yes, he see, he, you know, he's like, I don't think you should be yelling in this restaurant or I don't think you should be doing this interrogation or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But like, also looking at her clippings that's framed, that was framed and like down on the floor or, Mm -hmm. you know, getting her coffee or whatever. And there's this moment in the restaurant scene. When they first walk in and, uh, you know, and, and the person at the hostess stand is like, you know, table for two. And Mare's like, no. And he has this little, yeah. like, smile on his face. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. Uh, something something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I, lo- I love this for Evan Peters. We talked about this a little bit in episode one. But, like, we're fans of Evan Peters. We like him in the Ryan Murphy-verse. It's fun to see him do something different. This feels so different from anything that I've ever seen him do before. Um, and we see, you know, Richard and I have seen a little bit more than you guys are, have listening. And I think there's a lot of room for him to do some interesting stuff. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, that he's here. I'm excited for this dynamic. I love that like Mary just like leaves and go, goes and like walks down on him and hits the vape, sits outside, <laughs> sighs, you know, like her treatment of him too is just is cracking me up. I think that's really great. So there you go.
1: Um, I also wanted to say about the, um, him glancing at the headline, the framed newspaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did, what did the headline say or something? It was something about like hope or something. You know, it, it was like a very like joyful sentiment, um, for a down on a slug town and a down on a slug character to kind of be looking back at. And what I appreciate about sort of the way that she's being framed in that way, Mary is, mm-hmm. is we've, we, it's become such a kind of stale, almost kind of crude or even classist joke about like, well, those football boys, they're going to peak in high school and then they're going to be miserable townies the rest <laughs> of their life. You know, that right, kind right. of thing, yeah. that trope. Sometimes, yes, that is true. And sometimes they were assholes and it's like, well, okay, failure to launch, whatever. There's also nothing wrong with staying in your hometown, you know, right? Um, but I, I like that we have this character, a sports star, who is whose glories have faded. But it's done in from such it's approached from such a different angle. I, I think I really appreciate... I didn't really, really even realize that I was kind of seeing a familiar rubric uh, until that moment. And I was like, oh, right, this is that narrative. It's just being told differently.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. Um, we'll, we'll need to ask Brad if it was ever... He ever if he ever considered putting a man in in this role? Do you know what I mean? Well, I it, once were, again I,
1: I was going to do it, and then yeah. I couldn't get the accent right, and so I said my <laughs> well, my friend Kate. I think she's been she would she was studying it anyway. I think she was trying to get into a Shyamalan <laughs> film or something. Right, so right, right. It all Yeah out. And
0: Richard, let me hear your best wooder. Can you do it?
1: Wooder, uh, I don't know.
0: It's not good enough. Not good enough. No. Nope. Um, um. All right. So uh, the the thrust of this episode in terms of fathers. Is that Kenny, Aaron's father, very much agrees with me that uh, the number one suspect is usually uh, the boyfriend, the 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 baby daddy, if you prefer. Um, and there's a little bit of like vigilante justice, and it ends with the gunshot, and we don't know what happens next. So, yeah, um, yeah. It,
1: again, with the kind of like measured way these characters are being approached you know like yes we see dylan be a complete asshole in the first episode Mm -hmm. uh letting his new girlfriend beat up his the mother of his child his his -hmm. former girlfriend like you know and he's in this passive lump who's kind of curt and whatever you're not that you're rooting for him something bad to happen to him but then when he's out in the woods and he realizes that, like, oh, something actually really serious is about to happen, I think. And he's yeah. like, I'm just a kid. I'm just and a it kid. really snaps you out of yeah. it. You're like, he is just a kid, you know? Yeah. And, and it doesn't excuse all the bad behavior, but it sort of puts it in a context that, like, makes it really heartbreaking uh, what happens to him in the end of the episode.
0: And that's what, you know, Mare in her interrogation of him, like, obviously, she's using some, like, you know, cop psychology on him, but... Um, you know, she's, she, she offers empathy, whether it's like a tool manipulative, it could be a manipulative tool, but also like you get the sense that like she knows she's, she's been a single parent. She's, she was obviously quite young when she had her first kid, Kevin. Like, you know, she knows what it's like to be a young parent. And so when right. she offers that empathy, Yes, it's to sort of soften him up to try to get him to confess or something like that. But it comes from a from a real, experienced truth in her own life, and um, yeah, that, that's that's what makes Mayor so interesting. She's always like, she's often both things, you know.
1: And realistically, she would have known that kid since he was little, you know, right. or at least been aware of him in the town. You know, their kids are this. Her, you know, her kid is the same, relatively the same age. You know, it's just and that that sort of like weariness of like how did we get here that kind of thing i i i appreciate those nuances
0: the should we talk about um kevin (laughs) um a mayor's kid who killed himself who's um you know the father of drew the little little boy who's living in her house now um we get a big sort of exposition dump about kevin but carefully laced into this very emotional scene where mayor is is, you know, talking to the neurologist, I think it is, um, about Drew's tick that he's doing, like this eye-blinking thing that that maybe um her son Kevin did. I thought this was really well done. I thought Kate Winslow was incredible in this scene. What did yeah. you think?
1: Oh man. I mean I I've seen that episode the episode twice now, so I've seen yeah. that scene twice. And like, yeah, it's really like, you watch that scene and you're like, this is why, like this, you know, I think that for me, Kate Winslet's star profile, and this is on me, not on her, um, had been a little bit clouded by her Oscar campaign the year she won for The Reader because she dared to want the award.
0: Kind of mm. publicly.
1: And I, mm-hmm. you know, that was such a verboten, like, oh, you shouldn't show desire for such a frivolous thing. Right, I, right. I have now grown up a little bit since 2008 or whatever, 2009, and, and been like that, uh, sh- whatever. She, she earned it. She can say it's not a shampoo bottle anymore holding her Oscar, you know, fine. Um, <laughs> and in the years since, though, I do think she has kind of chosen for whatever reason projects that kind of follow that similar prestige to lesser effect. She's done great work since The Reader, but like, um, it's been a bit hit or miss. And this scene, in addition to stuff from Ammonite and a couple other projects that she's done recently, I was like, all right, she's an incredibly good actor and, and, and a nuanced one, not a big grandstandy Oscar real one. Like, that is, that's quiet, kind of almost like intimate off off Broadway theater acting.
0: It, It, like, and the way in which, the way she says, um, I had to check out. Right. And, and the way she does that whole scene without breaking down in tears, but just, but also showing us like all of the emotions just bubbling right up inside of her, just incredible stuff. Just so good. Um, And I mean, I think similarly the vulnerability she shows when she goes to Richard's like book party and he's talking to these, all these other women. You know, she like – she cleans up real nice. She goes to this book's party and, you know, I mean, I, I would say that he ignores her. You can – you know, he has his own version of events. But like, uh, you know, and just, that, just that feeling of I don't belong here. What am I doing? Why did I let myself – you know, why did I blow my hair out and put eyeliner on for this? Like, what, what is this? Uh, all wordlessly, uh, I thought was also really incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean this—the part where she spits the food out and put like yeah. hides it napkin and then like quietly stuffs it under the couch—I've uh-huh. literally done that. I've also like, literally done that. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people have. It's just such a good moment, really deftly done. Um, I did have a question though about yeah. his behavior at the party. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that he's like playing some weird f- psychological game with her? That like the ignoring was part of sort of a longer thing.
0: It seems like it. Yeah. And like uh, because. So, giving him full benefit of the doubt, like let's say he's pl- he's playing, he's like, look at all these women who are paying attention to me, and let's say let's say that's an insecurity response to her being so uh, resistant to his advances, right? Because mm-hmm. like when he sends her the flowers and she calls him, he's like, don't I-, you know, like before you give up on me forever. Let me just offer this to you. So yeah, like if I'm giving a charitable read of it, it's him being insecure. But again, he's a grown ass human adult male. (laughs) So like that's a, that feels like a teen move to me or like an early, like that's not something I think you should be doing later in your life. Do you know what I mean? I've done that before. I've done stuff like that before, but I'd like to think that I left it behind in my twenties. I could be wrong, but um. Yeah, maybe maybe I should have more empathy. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I I know that we had talked about last week that like Pierce was kind of stepping in to do a favor like it was supposed to be a different actor, not as quite, quite as famous an actor. So it's like, OK, so maybe this role isn't as like it is a, is a bit sort of warped by its star power now mm-hmm. and it's not meant to be some central thing. But like we have, you know everyone's a suspect so i have to consider him at least eve maybe he's the peeper and not the murderer or maybe the peeper is the murderer i don't know but like something about the way he so consciously when she first walked into the party didn't even give her a full wave kind of did a little half thing mm-hmm. didn't like hold up like a one minute finger you know acknowledging like i'm going to be yeah. held here for what he just kind of like acknowledged her and then completely turned so that felt so deliberate yeah. and i'm just you know maybe he was just being kind of a shitty guy or maybe like he's trying to wear her down for some more sinister thing i don't know
0: oh okay yeah um i did like her reaction because he's like uh, you know she's like come on you ask me here i love yeah. i just love that like sometimes mayor says things that i'm just like yes i i need i need to be be the mayor you'd like to see in the world Like and she
1: says come on man like in this yeah. very like kind of like no nonsense way I yeah really, yeah
0: like don't whatever my game you think you're playing with me stop it right now it's not going to work. Um and then let's talk about Carrie. Carrie is uh the kid the little kid Drew's mom, Kevin's um I don't know ex uh who had a drug problem is getting sober and wants custody of the kid. And we first meet her um when you know she's she's seeing the kid and um Jean Smart's character's name is Helen so Helen and Siobhan – and Frank all go take the kid over to see her. And what's really interesting about that, there's a couple things. First of all, Jean Smart doing like a plus 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 acting, letting her face just completely crumple when Carrie says she's going to try for custody. And um, also then Helen lies to Mare about it. Uh, So, you know, what, what's this whole journey that Helen's going on here?
1: Well, so this is where I, I I worry the show might be getting a little too, over adorned you know it's like so in addition to the 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 grandson ex- exhibiting similar tics to what her son who is now dead for, uh, uh, you know died of suicide it displayed and when he was young and there's a murder and there's this new guy in her life and her ex-husband's getting married and now she might lose the grandkid to a custody dispute um that this one like okay this is all happening in the space of like a week mm. um I worry that maybe the drama's getting a little too cluttered there. But in 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 its isolated way, like if we yeah. were to strip away everything else, I think it's it 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 feels credible that everyone's behavior around this thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not even through all the things that happened this episode. And so the idea I think is to pile part of this, I think what we're gonna be watching is like the the show's called Meraves Down, right? So it's like I think it's how much can one woman have piled on her at once is probably the journey we're going to see her go on. But I think you're right. There's also just like a lot of town folk to keep track of. Like I had to write down really carefully, like John and Billy Ross, they're brothers. Okay. And they go with mayor to go talk to Kenny who they know, I don't know from high school or whatever. Like, and then uh, we still have a couple more big things to talk about. There is Jess, who is Aaron's best friend, um, who we met in episode one, who knows a secret. You already mentioned this that, like, perhaps, um, well, she, she believes that Frank, Mare's ex, is the, the father of, of, uh, Aaron's kid. And we also found out that Aaron was, like, in Frank, Frank's a teacher. And Aaron was in his class. I thought that was really smoothly done where Mare was just talking to Frank and she's like, what was Aaron like in your class? You know, like that was just really casually tossed in there. Um, So we, so by the time that Jess says it at the end of the episode, it's not like what on earth could their connection possibly be. Um, But what I thought was really interesting, there's this like interesting thing going on of, of the clannishness of the men and the women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, um John and Billy, the Ross brothers, um were at Frank's, we're like tying one on with Frank in the previous episode, right? So when Jess and her mom come over to talk to Lori, Julianne Nicholson's character, they ask to do it alone because they don't want to do it in front of John because John knows Frank, right? And that there is like this idea that the maybe the men will stick together in a clannish way and maybe the women will stick together in a clannish way because you have stuff like when brianna's dad is harassing mayor and his wife is like in the street helen's just like come on inside <laughs> like come on in tell me all the things that are going on do you know what i mean there's yeah. this just yeah. interesting i think kind of down the gender lines, so i'll have to keep a closer eye on it um clannishness do you know
1: yeah i mean not i'm not an anthropologist but like that's a way a lot of communities are ordered you know um maybe not even sort of explicitly on purpose but like things especially when you live in communities where like men have been socialized to like not talk about anything um Mm -hmm. there needs to be channels of communication and sometimes it feels like it's happening not behind their backs but sort of despite the men, you know, it's like, the women. Yeah. Are like, well, we got to talk this out because they're not going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting how the show is doing exactly that.
0: Similarly, if you want to talk about like sort of uh, people sticking together unexpectedly or, or otherwise the scene where Brianna's dad is harassing mayor in the gas station and Don yeah. steps up for mayor. Um, I thought it was a really good moment and mayor acknowledging that like, thank you, Don. um, Uh, you know, especially given how the press conference goes earlier in the episode. So yeah, just those moments of like, I may not like you, (laughs) but we're together in this community bonded by this thing we share, you know, Don and Mare from the same basketball team. Um, Yeah. 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 And I think alliances, you know,
1: I think that something that then feels so violated by this reveal at the end is that where it might be frank is he seemed like one of the decent husbands or ex-husbands you know he seemed like one of the decent fathers and then the idea that like maybe this kind of municipal sickness that is ailing these men to be such jerks like actually did affect him you know and and obviously it's you know there is a a, definitely the show cast a suspicious eye at the Clergyman, the deacon and the priest mm-hmm. you know um for good reason frankly um given all we know about that church um so i yeah there definitely seem to be something like the women are sort of acting as they are supporting and and acting as bulwarks in this community uh in, while the men kind of spin off in dark directions and Frank seemed the least likely to do that. And then that is kind of at least our perception of it is shattered or at least called into question by the end of the episode.
0: Right. Right. So there we are. Um, The last thing I think I want to mention is um, Siobhan and Siobhan's relationship with Mare. And I just want to like give, give further appreciation to this mother daughter dynamic that is like, uh, (laughs) I don't know if toxic is even it's like strained, do you know um uh harsher than strained maybe slightly less than toxic, but like the idea of of um bright eyed detective Colin Zabel asking Siobhan, you know any tips on your mom and she's like, lower your expectations. that's something I might have said as a teen, um you know, it's just uh I think they're I think they're peppering that in really well. And I suspect, but, but it's so interesting that family is so interesting. Right. Because like Siobhan is definitely like really hands on helping raising her, um, nephew. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the family unit works with Helen, the family unit works with Frank. It's just mare that, that doesn't fit well in her own family, but it's still somehow the center of the family yeah um she's a fascinating fascinating
1: character i i, I like the the moment when mayor says oh you know sitting around drinking manhattans with you know the, the cousin dan yeah yeah De- uh it, you know and, and and then jean smart's like i I, d- I think i do a little more than that you know and she's yeah. clearly like hurt and defending but defending herself and like yeah it's just such a subtle thing but such a crucial window into like that family dynamic you know, like Mayor kind of knows she's going to she's being dismissive and that's kind of her character. That's yeah. kind of who she you know, she's she's gruff and not that friendly um, and, and would be kind of like boneheaded and be, like, reduce everything her mother does to just that right. in the moment.
0: Right. Yeah, it's. Um, Jean Smart is such a gift in the show, uh, just watching her play. I could watch her play Fruit Ninja on the couch um drinking a juice box yeah <laughs> good times um all right let's let's do our Who whodunit roundup mm. uh who's who's on your list this week richard
1: well maybe it's just because just i grew up about not even 10 minutes away from the uh headquarters of the boston catholic archdiocese mm. <laughs> but like you bring a priest into these these things uh, you know in the northeast or anywhere really frankly and i'm like all ears perk toward that mm-hmm. direction you know so i i think that is there for some reason um but maybe it's just to capture more of the texture of this town but i think there's probably more
0: well i think he also mentioned that he's uh at least the, de- the deacon is sort of newish in town right like he's come yes. from another parish
1: perhaps. as is our peeper
0: oh mm. all right so the deacon is on your list um i'll go ahead i mean i'll i'll take another obvious one i'll take frank sure (laughs) uh with my lingering the office resentment of that actor yeah he moved from scranton (laughs) and moved down
1: here and is now a murder suspect
0: uh who else do you have
1: um uh, well i have to i have to consider and i don't know why but i have to consider that evan peters did it
0: (laughs) I do. I think that's the law. I think if Evan Peters shows up, you have to consider that he did it. Uh, I'm going to keep Richard, the author, on my list. Um, I don't like his mind games, so he's on my list. All right, one last one from you.
1: I mean, you're right to assume that most authors named Richard are murderers. (laughs) I'm just saying, hypothetically. Um, But... um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm cheating, but I think that all this talk about the clannishness of the women and the men kind of separate and how the men kind of are all behaving badly or many of them are, maybe that's sort of a misdirect and maybe it's mm-hmm. one of the, the, the women, the women. in the matriarchal circle. Mm-hmm. And so again, Julia Nicholson is on this show mm, and she's a big actor and you know, so.
0: She's second build. Yeah. Uh, so. So Laurie. Okay. um, And I'll go with Laurie's husband, John. It's just something about him doesn't sit right with me. So we'll 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 take the couple. All right. I did, so I that- did yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Uh, uh, I I'm going to spoil something about Broadchurch for a second. Yeah. Um so people turn stop, you know, fast forward if you don't want to hear it about the first season, but like the the reveal that like maybe Mares well, ex-husband is involved is so like the twist at the end of the first season of Broadchurch. Not not I don't think it's copying it. It's just interesting and kind of what? echo with that.
0: Well, I, but I think that's why it's here at the beginning. Because honestly, right. I don't think Frank. No. If if we're making this, if this question comes up in episode two of an eight episode season, I don't think it's Frank. That yeah. that actually has uh, <laughs> moved Frank off my list. The doing really didn't honest.
1: challenge your preconceptions about how these <laughs> mysteries are told.
0: No. Uh. So yeah, I don't think we're headed for quite a a broad church ending, but um. But, I mean, but it's going to be unavoidably someone that Mare knows really well, right? I think. Unless it's, like, the deacon from out of town. Because that's sort of the whole thing about these, like, that's the whole thing about freaking Cavett Cove. That's the whole thing about these small village mysteries is it's always someone you know. And that's what makes them... There's two things that, you know, this is a long history stretching back to, like, you know, Agatha Christie cozy mysteries and stuff like that. It's, like, it's a. It's going to be someone you know, maybe someone you've known your whole life, and B. It's going to be the mystery is going to be entangled with a lot of just personal drama that is simmering in this small uh, environment, and uh, I, I just think it's fascinating to see an American version of this. I, I'm, you know, maybe maybe folks can write in. Still watching pot at gmail dot com. If there's any other American examples other than like Cabot Cove yeah. and Murder She Wrote that I'm missing, and Murder She Wrote was like an, an overt you know Agatha Christie uh Miss Marple sort of rip off thing. So um not rip off, homage, let's say. Um so yeah, I don't know if there are other American examples um or and should there be? Like The Golden Girls really probably should have been a murder mystery show. Um and <laughs> I am pitching my <laughs> Golden Girls Do Murder <laughs> a premise to HBO right now, uh, if you if you want to take me up on it. Um, all right, Richard, until we come back and, and stare suspiciously at more town folk, where can folks find you?
1: Uh, VF.com, uh, Laws on Twitter, and also at my Carrie Matheson-esque uh, bulletin board with red string, because I just came up with a new theory that- mayor's daughter found out that the girl had been sleeping with her father and killed her out of anger <gasps> and she had access to a gun because her mother is a police officer
0: it was siobhan yeah. <laughs> all right um love love a Carrie matheson uh, conspiracy board always here for it uh you can find me on VanityFair.com. fair.com you can follow me on twitter at joe wrote this and we will see you back in east town next week